Hello authors, I'm Joanne Morell, children's and young adult fiction writer and author of short non-fiction for authors. Thanks for joining me for the Hybrid Author Podcast, sharing interviews from industry professionals to help you forge a career as a hybrid author, both independently and traditionally publishing your books. You can get the show notes for each episode and sign up for your free author pass over at the Hybrid Author website to discover your writing process, get tips on how to publish productively, and get comfortable promoting your books at www.hybridauthor.com.au. Let's crack on with the episode. Rebecca J. Palmer is a teacher, printmaker, and speaker. She is also the author and illustrator of her debut picture book, Monkey Mind, a gentle narrative about the worrying thoughts that cause anxiety and a visual exploration of mindfulness and growth mindset for children, their carers, and adults. Rebecca is a fierce advocate for the power of visual language in picture books to enable children to decode hidden or implicit messages in their world. Wow. Welcome to the Hybrid Author Podcast, Rebecca. Oh, thanks so much, Jo. You've made me sound very important. <laughs> That's because you are. <laughs> Thank you. So it sounds like you've been on quite an author-illustrator adventure so far. Can you tell us how you got into the industry in the first place? I um, started out many years ago, actually, when I was about 28 years old, and I thought it would be really cool to be an illustrator, and I was working out at Kalgoorlie at the time, and I went into the library, this is like before the internet, of course, uh, went into the library and started researching um, different publishing houses, and I found one that I thought might be interested in my work, so I sent them off, and it ended up being Pasco Publishing. So that was Bruce Pascoe, the famous Bruce Pascoe I found out later on, and he got me to do a few covers for picture books, which was great. It was actually Australian Short Stories magazine, which was Australia-wide at the time, and I thought it was really great, um, but then I um, ended up uh, meeting somebody and uh, we ended up making a family together, so you know, I had a bit of a hiatus. I started working in um, universities, teaching design and and just ticking along that way and I thought I'd like to uh, get into teaching children and uh, my children were starting to go through primary school so I ended up doing that and uh, from there I just thought after a while I'd like to revisit my dream, go back to it and it's taken a bit of a while but finally, yeah, finally it happened for me. I was uh, lucky somebody told me that there was a publisher that was looking for books about mental health and families and they wanted an animal in it and I went well I've pretty much got that manuscript and sent it off to them and they chose that manuscript out of 400 applications I think there were about eight other people that got published from that submission and that's why I am where I am now yeah (laughs) Yeah. fantastic wow that's been such a journey so we'll just start by, are you able to tell us, you know, what teacher's notes effectively are and what purpose they serve authors and creators of books? Okay, well, teacher's notes are not just colouring in the characters from the book. There's a lot of work that goes into it, depending on who the book is actually aimed at, what years uh, they're aimed at. You need to have a look at Um, what teachers need to teach for that particular age. So you're looking at language, you're looking at literacy, 
and you need to cross-reference everything with the content descriptors in ACARA and uh, particularly in Western Australia you need to look at the uh, West Australian curriculum and cross-reference everything and you basically construct it so that teachers can find the information straight away, see whether it's relevant to what they're teaching and are planning for in the upcoming terms, have it so that the teachers can basically copy and paste everything straight into their notes and their plans. I try and make it as easy as possible for teachers because I'm a teacher myself and we just don't have the time to mess around looking for the resource or the information that is uh, pertinent to our children for the upcoming term. Um, I always make it accessible. All the links have to be live. Uh, whatever links to uh, oncoming resources, you need to have those live and not going to, you know, dead paste pages that they can't find the resource. But also you have to link it to the Australian curriculum so all the content descriptors you know, the relevant ones and um, any elaborations, then the teachers can take it from there. Mm. Teachers' notes are effectively like a resource for teachers in schools. So as an author, my teacher's notes would be a resource for teachers to use my book to teach the themes and, and stuff what my book's about in schools. So they'll have topics and they'll search search for literature, sorry, <laughs> literature, can't speak today, yeah. that serves what they're teaching in their classes and the teacher's notes help yes, find exactly. that. Okay, yes, wonderful. that's exactly right. It's basically teachers need to see what opportunities there are for their students to learn from that book. And so what I do as a learning resource writer is I go through the books and I go, oh, well, that's really interesting. You know, they're using this particular language device or there's some figurative language there or there's an opportunity to teach children to expand on sentences there. Maybe there's a link in there that you might be able to link across the curriculum to some sort of mathematics or science activity or even has. Right. So um, there's a lot of historical writers historical fiction writers um, here in WA and they've got particularly good um, uh, teacher's notes and you can find them generally from the publisher's websites. They uh, put them up and they're free for teachers to download just like mine were for my book. They're written by all sorts of professionals from the CBCA, Children's Book Council. There's the Primary English um, Teachers Association. There's the History Teachers Association and usually they focus on books that have either sold a lot or they've got a lot of credos because they've been won some sort of a award or they've been shortlisted. Mm. And for those, they have people, the people who write them are at the top of their game. Usually they've got credentials as long as you're arm in the education right. organisations. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, so with traditional publishing houses, so you're, you're a traditionally published author, is it something that traditional published authors can expect when their book comes out that they will have teacher's notes provided for them by their publishing houses? Is that a, That's generally what happens? Any of the um, publishing, like if you've been published by a traditional publisher, 
definitely the big eight always have teachers' notes on their websites. They've got lots of resources that have been done by their designers. I personally wrote all of mine myself because I'm a bit picky <laughs> about so, that. And, and I, you, know, I know what it is that I yeah. wanted to say. Did you put your hand up for that with your publisher? You said, you know, yes, if my I background, did. I can do this. And they were quite happy for yes. you to do that. Yeah. Yes, I did. I put my hand up for it. It was um, just something that I wanted to do. You know, I can recommend going to the publisher's website. Definitely. Um, I always go, no matter what I'm going to be using teaching, I've got a year four class, I'm working full time at the moment, but I always go to the publisher's websites first to see what notes are there. Uh, quite often I'll come up with the stuff myself, of course, but there might be things that I haven't thought of that I can actually write into my planning. Mm. So definitely. I'm not sure about the a lot of the independent publishers. I'm guessing that they would be having teachers' notes on their websites. I mean, it's another way to sell your book, obviously. Yeah, because yeah. I've seen, so, I have seen teachers' notes on PDFs from publishers' websites. I've sold them from Allen and Unwin. Uh, I think yes. Fremantle Press maybe do them. I've also yes. seen teachers' notes at the backs of books. Some I don't think I've ever seen them at the front of books. I have seen them on authors' websites. I think James Foley's got quite a few teachers' notes on his. Yes. Is there, any, there? It doesn't seem like there's any kind of rule, I guess, there where they should be. It's it's good maybe if your publisher's got them and your book and you're sourcing them on your website, it's all just another chance for people to find you, your book, and get it out there, I suppose. Yeah, I did my teacher's notes. I, I aimed it for children from grades one to three. I have done some workshops with pre-primary classes and I haven't written anything specifically for them. But, yeah, and I think I will be doing teacher's notes for uh, the upper primary and also for teenagers because mental health issues are really, you know, it's quite interesting what's happening to children and teenagers for mental health. But I would say that um, most publishers would have teacher's notes there. It's very important. It's part of your marketing. It shows people that what you're doing is current, it's relevant, it's contemporary. Children are going to be learning from this. Quite often there's different themes that you might not think of yourself. There'll be activities that they do that are really creative and fun. So teachers and parents, particularly one, uh, those in lockdown, are able to get on and they're able to print off activities that you do at home. And you know that your child is getting some good learning in. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and that sounds, yeah. sounds like that's that's the whole purpose, I guess, at the end of the day. Obviously, di- different from author, but the learning. Uh, so from, for our authors who are independently published and they put out their own works and they do everything themselves and obviously don't really have the luxury of having a publishing, traditional publish, publishing team to do, say, teacher's notes, and they maybe don't come from a teaching background either. And, and you touched on before, it's got a, a line curriculum curriculum sorry I can't speak today yes it's got to align with you know the school's curriculum where where can they source that information just Um, to make sure they're following the the correct guidelines but you also mentioned as teachers kind of look for whether they can teach language or say maths or it seems to be a big subject of things that you could potentially create your teacher's notes around yeah anybody can access the Australian curriculum just google it and it comes up with ACARA, 
is ICARA. They're the authority that has brought out the curriculum that all teachers work off basically in Australia. You can also look at the local, <laughs> the WA <laughs> curriculum, which is on the site. It's the uh, it's called SCARSA, S-C-R-C-A, I think it is. Yeah, so that gives you the WA curriculum, which is the very similar to ACARA, but um, some of the content descriptors are more relevant to the WA um, learning environment. So anybody actually have a look at ACARA and have a look at all the learning areas are set up so that, you know, you've got your English, you've got your HAS, you've got your maths, all sorts of different areas that we need to cover as teachers. You can have a look through that. It's it's a huge, like the documents are quite huge. What you can do is have a look your year, the years that you're looking at. So if you're pitching at year four, so you just click on the year four curriculum for English, for example, and that would give you a few of those um, descriptors there. A lot of them, they use a bit of edu-speak. It might not be accessible as accessible. So you know, if you can click on the descriptors, generally there's elaborations underneath that sort of explain what it's about. So if you're going to write some yourself, it could be a bit tricky, but I'm sure that you can find a couple of things that you align um, yeah. with your market. And maybe even uh, if anybody out there is attempting to do it themselves and they do know, say, a teacher, friend, they could maybe run it past them. Is that worth doing that as well? Yeah, it's, it's a big job. It took me a long time to do. I did 26 pages worth because I did a lot of research in mine and had links. You know, I wanted our families to be able to go beyond my book to uh, find help they needed to. So I had a lot of information like that in there to make your teacher's notes more valuable in terms of learning yeah I would double check with teacher friend if you want them to write write it up they'd have to be a very good friend <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah if you wanted them to do it for nothing you know uh, it, it's quite time consuming to get it right I was writing teacher's notes for the school magazine and just to do one magazine would take me four solid days to come up for the teacher's notes for that generally I was writing four different pieces of text, you know, I'd do an article, I'd do a narrative, do some poetry. I can't remember what the last one was. <laughs> but, yeah, so I generally I tried to do something graphic, comic or something like that because that's kind of my area being an illustrator. took a long time, but I did mine very carefully with parents and readers in mind, thinking that they needed sort of rich like they've got rich literature that they're reading you will also want to have rich resources as well so it's kind of value adding to the resource yeah that's fantastic um, and is there any again rules 26 pages seems massive to me and that's that's great but yeah. it, it just it just depends i suppose like how big or small you make it do you need to consider how the teacher is going to be teaching this, how they're going to use it. Is it like just one specific lesson plan or are they supposed to? It depends on the product, I suppose, the, the book. And I would probably, if you're starting out and you're not quite sure where to start, I would go straight to Akara. I would have a look. I would choose a content descriptor that you think is relevant for your book and then just work on that, maybe two, so that you know that whoever's buying your book 
is going to get two really good cracking lessons out of it. And you would want to make it, you know, you're coming up with ideas for learning. So you might say, for example, you know, in this particular section, the protagonist says, what's another way of saying that using a similar figurative language? You know, it might be a simile that they've used and you say, well, here's some other examples. Would you write a story? using a simile like this you know Mm -hmm. so it helps them expand their language yeah no that's wonderful in terms of you know yours is a picture book and you mentioned before who you've written teachers notes for but your themes go way beyond the picture book itself and, and you're looking at expanding to say teenagers and an older demographic so say somebody has got a picture book they think about in terms of teacher's notes and things that teachers can teach from their picture book and not just for younger age groups but possibly for older do you believe that's something you can do obviously depending on the subjects of your book I suppose yeah I think it depends on the book really what I'm trying to do is because I'm focusing on mental health in particular mental health affects people from all walks of life that's right and I've had people reading the book and using it in schools but also, um, I, I know quite a few psychologists have actually used it uh, for families and it just basically opens that conversation. So I'm just doing a few. I want to do some more for adults and I've got a couple of psychologist friends who are going to be helping me with that so that open that door for a few more people. Yeah, With uh, people doing particular teacher's notes, for you would target it for your market. That's the short answer. So if you're doing a picture book that is fortunately early childhood, I think you'd be wasting your time if you um, developed it for adults, for example. So you just basically do a bit of time at home. I also did a lot of work on mine because it's my baby, you know, and uh, and because I can. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And you know what you're doing. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, uh, you know, I don't want to stress how anybody is thinking of writing their own teacher's notes. You can do it yourself. Just choose a couple of content descriptors, you know, from Akara that you think are particularly pertinent to your work and pitch it to those particular years. Yeah, that you're yeah. going to be selling a book to. Yeah, it's fantastic. Yeah. And obviously checking out, as we spoke on before, publishers' websites, authors' websites such as yourself and to see how other people are doing it and what their teachers' notes say and uh, kind of starting from there. In terms of genres and things, well, sorry, I'll, I'll backtrack a little bit. With, with structure of teachers' notes, is there a particular structure that you tackle your teacher's notes with? Is there any particular format that aspire, like authors such as myself who have never written teacher's notes but might want to at, at some point, is there any particular order of business <laughs> that the layout should be done? My background is design, so I'm very keen on presenting information as accessibly as possible um, so that when people are looking at any text or any document, they can see exactly what they're looking for and they know before they read what they're likely to be faced faced with. (laughs) Writing teachers' notes, you know, if you just present it as a bird, you know, it could just look like a bit of gobbledygook, arrange it, you know, look at you know, the different outcomes of the different elaborations and I identify them so that, yeah, the actual 
content descriptor is there first, uh, so I'll put that up so that people know that I'm actually identifying and working with that particular area of the curriculum, so that's the first thing that I would do. Then I try and do things in bullet points. You know, I don't want to write a long explanation. I will think pair shares. I will direct them to different resources so that they can use it, like I do cause and effect or a um, T-chart or something like that, some sort of resource that they can download and they can actually use to answer the questions that I've got. With reading comprehension, you know, the title up, you know, this is a, these are reading comprehension questions and then I'll delve into, depending on what's in the book, you know, look at the 16 different reading strategies and inferring, for example, is quite a tricky one for children because sometimes you have to read between the lines and it's a chopper. <laughs> <laughs> chopper going over here. Oh, all yeah. part of the ambience. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, yeah, that, that happens a lot around here, but it scares the crows off. So. Oh, as long as they're not um, coming, coming for you, that's fine. No, no I don't think so. I'm <laughs> a quiet life. But, yeah, so, so for example, if I'm looking at inferring, that's quite a tricky thing. Children need to learn to read between the lines. They need to learn what authors are saying. But, what they're implying and what they're hinting at and not just authors as well in looking at the illustrations as well because authors and illustrators they work in tandem and quite often they can tell a different story and children children are clever they can decode what illustrators are saying so I like to write my teacher's notes so it's not just all about author because the illustrator has a lot to say in the text and is extremely valuable because that's what a child first looks at. That's what attracts them to the book. That is quite often they have little Easter eggs in there for the children to find and that creates the fun and children are reading those little secret messages in there and that's what engages them and often makes them think in a deeper way about the actual text that maybe they hadn't accessed just by reading the words. I mean, some children are extremely visual and words uh, words don't come easy to them. Telling the story, parallel stories together is it's quite a feat to achieve. I actually really love looking at teachers' notes, actually one, I'll mention a few, Mick McKinley and Matt Otley, have a look at those teaching notes. I mean, it's just wonderful to hear notes that are, or read notes that are actually written by the author and the illustrator. Right. Uh, it's very interesting. I've read, I read a lot of teachers' notes because I'm a bit of a dag when it comes to that sort of stuff. <laughs> Sally Murphy's got some good stuff uh, which you can find on the Peter website if you're a teacher. Download those. Uh, Frené Nessac, Mark Greenwood, Norman Jorgensen, all these people have. They're up in the publishers' websites. You'll find teachers' notes, but quite often you'll find them on teaching websites and I really enjoy looking at both of them because there'll be things that I can pull out that I can use with my students that are relevant from all those different places. 
Yeah, that's fantastic. I've waffled on a bit. No, no, that's no, don't be silly. <laughs> that's fantastic advice. Thank you so much. So obviously we've spoke, touched on teachers' notes being resource for teachers to teach uh, various things in their classes to from books. Uh, do yeah. you, you've mentioned you've spent a lot of time on your teacher's notes, so would you use your teacher's notes as a way of teaching in class as well? Not just for the teacher's notes, or not just for the teachers to teach? The authors can write these up and they can do these things as well, or no, because it just depends on what they're teaching in class, I suppose. Yeah, I, uh, my school actually subscribes to the school magazine. Uh, they have a wonderful array of resources there. I actually... I'm plugging them on my own behalf, I suppose, because I actually work with them and I saw, I know what you have to go through to create those teachers' notes because I I was actually creating them myself. And I know that they're excellent because they set bar really high and, um, gee, I worked hard on those (laughs) ones. But, um, yeah, somebody else is doing it. Tamara Moss actually, um, she took up from me. Oh. Yeah, but those teachers' notes are a fantastic resource because the people who write, um, who get get accepted for writing and illustrating in those magazines, it's top quality Australian um, literature, and not just people who are famous in the area, but um, you know they, there's an opportunity there for you know people who want to go and break into the industry to write and create. Not so much the illustrator side on the writing side, but their work is fantastic and they address a lot of different text types. So you'd be looking at comics and graphic art, you're looking at narratives, you're looking at poetry. Their poetry is particularly good. I've got a a real love for poetry just by working on the resources and learning about poetry there. I've got to say I'm not a particularly good uh, poet myself which I've been told by um, going to lots of teaks. I've had a go, but I'm not good. I'm sure <laughs> that's that, not true. <laughs> I, know, I, know, I know what to, where my weaknesses are and I know what to work on now. Yeah. So that's the, the value of, you know, going along to critiques and everything. Yeah. The other thing that they do is you get, you can actually buy their magazines. So the kids have got physical copies in class. And it's really great. I use them now. The kids love it. Like they generally have a play in each one. And like we do plays, oh, the kids fight over it. They also have a lot of uh, YouTube videos that they've created. So they do reads of the different texts. And so there's a lot of stuff there. It's really good. I can't recommend enough for teachers. Yeah, well, I'll put. Um, I'll answer your question. Yes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll put a link to you know the school magazine and uh, and all that sort yeah, of yeah. stuff um, in the episode. Show. Oh, that's great. That's great. Yeah. So if yeah. you're you're invited to speak at a school or anything like that, do you do you let the teachers know of of your teachers' notes for your books? If you've just been if you've been booked as a as an author to come and do like an author talk or something, you you make them aware and oh, definitely, yeah. Definitely. Um, I always let them know what's there because I, um, teachers are so busy these days. We've just bombarded with everything. And I think since the lockdown, you know, we have almost our emails are inundated with hundreds of emails all the time uh, by different things. So teachers just don't have time to mess around. So just try and make things as easy as possible for them. So when I go and do a teacher talk or 
borrowed talk to a school. I try and value add, so I let them know that the teacher's notes are there, but then when I do a workshop, I'll value add to it, so I'll do something that's not in the teacher's notes as well. Because yeah, quite often, you know, these uh, workshops will be booked by somebody who's a literacy leader in the school or uh, somebody who's the school librarian will make the booking and everything and teachers already have written their programs. So, it, you know, their, their programs are chock-a-block and it's just an additional thing that they have to squeeze in somehow and usually it's around book week, which is the same time as science week. Yeah. So there's all the things that they have to cram in all the time. Yeah. So I just try and make it as easy as possible. So they're quite receptive. They want they want to receive these things. They want to know about oh, yeah. them. They're not bothering them oh, or yeah. anything. <laughs> Oh, no, no. If, you know, if you've designed it and it's hard to find the information quickly, then they won't, they won't be reading it. I'll show you right now. (laughs) So you have to make, you have to make it easy for them to find the information they want and they want to know that what they're doing is not just busy work. It's like, you know, if you give them colouring in and, and that sort of stuff, that's fine. You know, that's the fun stuff. But they want the meaty stuff. It's like, what is the point of having this book in yep. my program? What are my kids going to learn out of it? I've got to teach them eight different learning areas at school and I've got to address all of these different content descriptors in the Australian curriculum. I haven't got time for fluffy stuff. Sure. I've got to have, I've got to have a learning resource that's actually going to mean something in my teaching. Yeah, no, that's fantastic. That that hits the nail on the head. So um you've provided yeah. you've provided a lot of information and on good organizations as well. Is there any specific social media pages that uh, authors can put their teachers notes up, you know, to do with teachers or librarians or specific place that people would want to see this stuff or this curly one. I suppose yeah, I don't think closed off like, to the public sort of site. <laughs> that you can sort of like do an info dump and that sort of thing. I know that with the COVID, lots of different organisations have made resources open to the public. And, um, yeah, when we had our first lockdown here, our group that you and I belong to, the Society of Children's Book Writers, put a whole lot of learning resources up on their website, which I don't know if I'll put mine up. I've got to mine afterwards. Better get on that. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I'm just going to give them a quick plug because a lot of people put their teachers' notes up there for people to have a look at. So if people are interested in finding any information about local authors, I'm always doing my best to plug the local authors, orcas, <laughs> yeah, you know, a whale run down the coast at the moment, <laughs> but they want to um, help support the locals and everything, you yeah. want to look at Society of Children's Book Writers WA, they've got a Facebook page, but if you go to their website, you can see a lot of the locals there, and also... Have a look at um, WA Writers, uh, Writing WA. They have a literati that you can have a look at there. So once you get onto any of these places, you just look at the websites of the authors and generally find the notes. The Children's Book Council of Australia, WA, there uh, they've got a page for authors as well. Also the Literature Centre. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they have a lot of speakers there, and they 
know, you can contact authors there. And also Paperbird Books, which is a local, has a local agency. I've forgotten the name of the speaker's agency. Yeah, people like that. <laughs> Didn't ask me this question before. I would have done my homework. <laughs> no, that's all good. But, um, um, yeah, yeah, and I can can link to all those as well and yeah. for obviously people who who might be listening outside of the countries just checking their local bookshops local writing bodies and squibby is obviously a worldwide organization as possibly as the children's book council no they're ch- children's yes, book council of australia but there might be yeah. um, worldwide organizations there so no, that's fantastic what we've obviously touched on teachers notes being for and talk about in schools and things like that do you think is there such a thing for teachers notes for not children's books say other genres like romance crime non-fiction adult fiction things like that is there such a thing like teachers notes or is that more kind of you'd write up book club questions and things to for consideration of other groups kind of like teachers notes I suppose there's still a resource for people to be talking about your book and learning from it but just in a different setting Look, um, I know that there's teachers notes available for any you know right through high school I mean I'm on a lot of Facebook you know teacher groups and they're just asking all the time has anybody got any resources for this book anybody got you know we we share you know we network try and find all that sort of information and also teachers recommend books to each other as well you know they say look you know I've got this particular learning area we're focusing on this theme can anybody recommend a book you know and um, they're they're all talking to each other and you know it's I suppose uh, the thing that talking about where to put your teachers notes and everything I suppose you know hashtagging would be a, a good way of spreading spreading that message around um on instagram and twitter and um, facebook what, know, like you, hashtag but, teacher notes yeah, or something yeah. yeah you can hashtag that but um also libraries and teachers organizations you know because they troll troll through a lot of those hashtags to find stuff right. as well yeah you know so you know make it accessible to everybody make it accessible to your website as well yeah, fantastic. So your debut picture book, Monkey Mind, is published with Little Pink Dog. Is it Little Pink Dog yeah. or Little Pink Dogs? <laughs> little Pink. Well, they've got several Little Pink Dogs, but Little Pink <laughs> Dog Books Gorgeous. Is, is the full name of it, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, and how was your publishing process with them? Oh, it's just wonderful, actually. We had a bit of a hiccup in the middle because the book was actually published and uh, created in China. And that was uh, when the uh, ship stopped running and they couldn't print it and everything. So, so it was a bit of a long process there. No, they were fantastic. I actually flew over to Armadale where they are and met them. And they're a lovely couple and just very professional. Kathy Kramer's got a master's in children's picture books. She knows what she's talking about. And they're very professional and very kind people. Their focus, I think I said earlier, is, um, you know, mental health and children and families, and that's, so that's what a lot of their books are about. The process, well, of course, I'd never been through a process like this before, and they were very open to me contacting them. They knew that I knew nothing about doing a picture book, and they just work with people generally who know nothing about it, and, you know, they're happy to, they were happy to hold my hand through the whole process, and I, I, uh, because they were so nice, I was able to, you know, ask them a lot of questions, and if there was something that I 
was concerned about, you know, they just answered all, all of those questions. I wanted to be involved in the whole thing. So I did basically everything. I did the teacher's notes, I wrote, I illustrated the book, I did the cover, I did font design throughout, I did a lot of the promo and everything. But, you know, I put my hand up for it and asked them if I could do it because I wanted to be involved in, in all of that. And I've also I've got the, a design background, so, you know, I think I could do a reasonable job. With the cover, I had a few of my illustrator friends said that they would have liked to have seen it a bit stronger and maybe with the character on the front. But, um, you know, I went down a different path for that because, you know, it was about anxiety and the hero of it is not just Piper but her monkey, which is kind of her alter ego. So I think I kind of covered that. But it's really hard doing cover design because you have to, you have to have something that shouts out amongst all of the other designs that are also shouting out. And you're not quite sure whether your design is going to be face out anyway. It could just be, you know, you sit fine. So there's a lot of things to take into consideration. And I wanted the font design to work with the illustration so that it didn't overwhelm the illustration. It was, you know, supplementary to it and supported the ethos of the book all the way through. So yeah, so it's a it was a fun journey and yeah, and they were just really helpful and kind and supportive through the whole thing. So That's yeah, great. it was a good, good experience. Yeah, good, yeah. yeah, good first experience. So you yeah. have many many skills. It sounds like would you and you sound like you've got the capabilities to be able to independently publish. Would you ever consider doing <laughs> anything like that? Oh no, <laughs> <laughs> no, no, like. No, I don't think I'd do that. <laughs> I know, I know what's involved in, in that, and yeah, no, it's just um, it's a hard yeah, no. <laughs> I'm getting old here, um, and I've, I've taken on, I've taken on a few things, and you know, I've got a few challenges now. I think I, I think I'm going to stick with writing and illustrating, and I've got a couple more books on the boil, and. One I started in 2015 and it's gone through several incarnations. That one's gone from, you know, picture book to uh, middle grade to poetry to you name it. And, um, and I do have a publisher that's kind of interested and has said, has asked me if I would mind rewriting it as a narrative. So it's kind of going back again. I've had a lot of input from different publishers and I think Maybe I've had now too much input and so I've just, you know, it's good to put things down for a while and think about it rather than just keep on, you know, attacking it and trying to get it happen. That's it. Yeah. I feel like um, I've had that experience actually and I think mm. what we have to remember is that every publisher and every different person would probably do the book differently. I've, I've yeah. had a similar experience with a middle grade novel and spent a lot of time rewriting it on someone else's advice and then to have someone else yes. say something different and then the penny drop and be like, okay, hang on, I'm going to keep changing this. Yeah. You know, I have to pull it back and think, what? where do I want it to go or what do I think is best and yeah it sounds like you're you're at that stage so I think it's um, a lot of I've been along to a lot of squibby events and they talk about voice 
the voice of the main characters needs to be really strong and I think that's what drives the story. And quite often if you're listening to too many different people, you know, your voice changes because you're trying to please other people and then your voice gets lost. Yeah, I'm just thinking about voice, you know, and my character and and how, you know, it's got to come from me. You've got to feel, I've got to feel for the character myself and not kind of force it to be the voice that other people think that it should be. Yeah. I don't know if I'm explaining myself. No, you are. That's incredible. That's really great advice now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, that's uh, yeah, it was so great. Thank you so much, Rebecca, for your time and, and your expertise and everything. It's just, just wonderful. There are lots of good information on teacher's notes and we all know where to begin now and where to research and have a look and what to include. So yeah, no, thank you. So where can you tell us where we can all find your author illustrator details and your work in store and online? I'm on Facebook and Instagram and I've got a website which I should be updating but I can't at the moment because I'm planning for school. We've got term four coming up. So I'm pretty, I post fairly regularly on Instagram and, you know, you can do the share thing where it just goes automatically to your Facebook site but I don't really have too much time to, you know, look through the socials during the term that I try and post up and because I'm not sort of writing too much myself at the moment, I'm just teaching full time, I try and plug other people. I just feel, you know, you need to share the love. Like there's a lot of local authors in Australia that struggle to get out there. You don't earn much money as a as a writer, that's for sure. So I just try and share the love that way. But yeah, you'll find me on Instagram's um Rebecca J. Palmer Books. Is where you'll find Is it in your website, even though you're saying you're not updating it, but www.rebeccajpalmer.com? Or yeah, that's radio? right. Yeah, oh. that's that. And you'll find my teaching notes there. Oh, yes, we'll definitely yeah. check those out. The, the big 26th yeah. page <laughs> Yeah, well, we've got um, Mental Health Month coming up. And so even though I don't seem to be doing too much at the moment, there's uh, something called Online Story Time. And they've actually just opened it up this year in support of people who were um, involved in, in different lockdowns all over the place. I've got a, a video that's actually online. They're actually reading my book and they've also put up another video explaining all about my illustration process, which is all to do with reaching and everything. So that's pretty exciting. It's been done by the Riverina Regional Library and that's actually going to gosh, uh, it's also going to uh, a lot of it's the largest regional I'm going to read this out no, it's the largest regional library service in New South Wales it covers 19 different li- library branches and a mobile library spread over 47,000 square kilometres wow uh, and it's just it was opened in response to the COVID uh, pandemic and it, it enables children who can't come physically to story time and they're living in a socially disadvantaged areas where transport is an issue but the internet isn't. So, um, And it goes to regional and uh, rural areas. So there's a lot of books online that you access and have a look at 
on there as well. And I noticed that there's a few WA creators on there as well. So, yeah, that's that's actually going Australia-wide as well. So online story time. That is oh, wonderful. I'll definitely check that out. Fantastic. Yeah. Well, thanks again, Rebecca. That was great. No worries. Thanks very much for having me. That's the end for now, authors. I hope you are further forward in your author adventure after listening, and I hope you'll listen next time. Remember to head on over to the Hybrid Author website at www.hybridauthor.com.au to get your free author pass. It's bye for now.